Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. All right, welcome back to part two of our live 12-team head-to-head points listener league. I left off the previous hour with Logan Gilbert. I took with the second pick of round 11. And then Luis Severino, who does have SPARP eligibility in this format. That's a starting pitcher as a relief pitcher. And then Luke Voigt, a great pick. The last edition of the Profit Pocket uh, goes here in round 11, 124th overall which makes a lot more sense than what we've seen in ADP over the past couple of weeks. So, Yeah, I don't know where they're getting that data from because it doesn't seem like anybody we're drafting with is letting Voigt slide outside the top 200 still. But I guess data's data, right? It's coming from somewhere, Scott, and I'll tell you exactly it's where. From somewhere. It's NFBC. coming from somewhere. NFBC. That's where it's coming from. Is he like not projected to start somewhere? Like I don't know. The... It's hard to make sense of it. It seems like an obvious, and it seemed like everybody agreed when he got traded that it was a, you know, an obvious opportunity for him to play every day. Oof! And then we get the back-to-back utility bats. So Fran Mil Reyes, and then Nelson Cruz. Uh, Reyes, we spoke about on yesterday's podcast as well. Wouldn't surprise me if he earns outfield eligibility. You know, maybe not the first couple of weeks. You know, maybe by the end of April. That wouldn't surprise me. On CBS, you only need five starts at a position to earn eligibility in season. Uh, so I think we'll get that at some point, you know, probably the first month for Fran Mil Reyes. And then, Chris, you select Patrick Sandoval. So you're you're diving in on the breakouts here. First Erod, and now Patrick Sandoval. Yeah, I mean, this is the format, and generally when we tend to do these head-to-head points leagues, especially when we're actually playing them out, uh, ADP tends to get thrown out the window when it comes to starting pitchers, and so you reach a point about 100th overall, and it's just get your guys. And... Eduardo Rodriguez and Patrick Sandoval are two of my guys. If they don't have good seasons, I'm going to have a bad fantasy season. I'm about to take another of your guys, Chris. <laughs> Unacceptable. <gasps> a Sparp by the name Ooh. of Michael Kopech. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a good guy. Yep, my first reliever. I was waiting. Like, I didn't want to take him when Rysel Iglesias and Manuel Classe were on the board. I, like, I, I just, that just felt hard to justify. So I waited till they went, and then Luis Severino also went, and I was like, oh, crap, did I wait too long? Because I'm, I'm kind of with Chris now, like, with, with the arm issue Severino's dealing with, let's move him behind Kopech among yep. the Sparps. So happy to get him. All right. Yeah, that's a good pick. Look, he's a dynamite arm. I think he's going to be awesome when he pitches. I saw some comments earlier in the offseason from Rick Hahn, who is either their GM or president of baseball uh, operations there, and he was talking about how they want him fresh for the end of the season, for for a postseason run, so I still think he's going to bounce around a little bit. I think he'll probably get to, you know, 120 innings, something like that, which you know, I, I think that'll probably look something like 18 to 20 starts, and then the rest will be in the bullpen, uh, but mm-hmm. either way, he's going to be very valuable whenever he starts. So yeah, I, I well, hopefully, I, I prefer that's how it plays out, where they have periods where he's on and periods where he's off, and preserve his innings that way, as opposed to a bunch of four inning starts. Because if it's a bunch of four inning starts, it's, I'm, I'm not going to get much value out of that, especially in this format. So I'm hoping he's handled more like I don't know, like uh, like the Brewers handled. Uh, Freddie Peralta last year, then I should have an alternate example ready to go if I'm going to go there. <laughs> but, you know, like, uh, I, I don't know. Julio uh, Reyes in the past? Yeah, Julio Reyes in the past, uh, who's a good example from last year. 
I mean, Tony Gonsolin. I'll go with him. Yeah. Didn't has it throughout his career hasn't gone very deep into starts when he's been in the rotation. And after you selected Michael Kopech, Mitch Hanniger, I think a great pick at this point as well. 129th overall. Ian Anderson, Edwin Diaz, Luis Garcia of the Houston Astros that finishes out round 11. And then starting round 12, Matt Chapman and Mitch Garver. I think again, two more great picks here. Uh, Chapman, that, that's a name that I clicked on that I okay. was about to select. And I was like, yeah. oh, wait, I, I, I drafted Bobby Witt, who's going to earn third base eligibility. So I, I still could have selected Matt Chapman. I, I think he's a fine pick at this point, but I wound up yeah, going I, with Logan Gilbert instead. And, and points leagues, we've seen Chapman go very late in the past, like round 15 and beyond. So, you know, maybe I was a little too comfortable waiting on him have, as somebody who's sitting here without a third baseman yet. Do you have a third baseman yet, Chris? Uh, yes, I have okay. uh, Chris Bryant. So the one most concerned about filling third base early is the one who doesn't <laughs> have a third baseman yet. Uh, does somebody time out here or... Did they just go on autopilot purposely? I believe they timed out. So I'm writing in the chat to see if they want to stick with that pick. But if I don't hear anything, then Eddie Rosario okay. will be the pick at okay. 135th. Pretty right. early, but okay. Um, yeah, so third base, what's left? Adalberto Mondesi, Josh Donaldson, and then a whole uh, DJ LeMahieu. Some people might be into that. Then a whole lot of nothing. I don't want to take any of those guys now. Does that mean, it, like, is, is somebody else? Am I going to get, just continue yeah, to, like, no matter where you're targeting third base, you're going to have to reach for the guy, with the exception of Jose Ramirez, and arguably with the exception of Rafael Devers and Manny Machado, though, you know, I, I've recently moved Devers up into my first round, which some people would consider a reach. So it just like there's no way you can get away with just taking a third baseman at face value. I mean, Nolan Arenado might be the closest one in the leagues where he goes round six or later. All right, so we did wind up uh, backing out that pick of Eddie Rosario, and they selected Dansby Swanson instead, and then Kenley Jansen goes, and Scott, you are back up. We haven't checked in on your team in a while, so... Let's take a look what we've got. I, I do like, by the way, if anyone's watching here on YouTube, it might be a little distracting, but I like <laughs> the, the gifts that are part of like the team logos. So I've, I've got to find a way to work one of those into mine. I like it. Scott, you have one of those. I do, yeah. My team name is White Noise, and it's, <laughs> you know, the, the static on an old TV when you turn off the Nintendo. <laughs> All right, Scott. So you've got Salvador Perez, Josh Bell, Jose Altuve, Bo Bichette, Kyle Schwarber, Brian Reynolds, and then your pitchers, Adam Wainwright, Max Scherzer, Charlie Morton, Hugh Darvish for an average age of, I, I would say, like 37, <laughs> and then uh, Michael yeah. Kopech. So, you know, that, that brings the average age down a little bit, so helps you out. Well, yeah, I'm going to go Jack Flaherty here. Ooh. I don't have I don't have an injury stash yet. I... Came close to drafting Tatis. I came close to drafting Sale. Would have rather drafted Tatis and Sale. <laughs> but in theory, Jack Flaherty, um, I, I think recent, the, the latest on him is they just discovered a flaw in his mechanics that is responsible for the bursitis he's feeling right now, at least in theory. And, uh, you know, they're going to start building him up soon. So hopefully he's back by mid mid-May and hopefully he's, the high-end pitcher we believe him to be, two of the three of us at least believe him to be. All right, let's see what has happened. You selected Jack Flaherty, and then Jake Cronenworth, Joey Gallo, and Mike Clevenger, who got destroyed. I thought about taking Clevenger. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't sure if I should. I need some offense still, so I passed on it, but I, I definitely thought about it. All right. I thought about Cronenworth. I like the, like, I don't want any... I don't want a bunch of hitters on my bench in this format. Cronenworth is triple eligible. So it's like, if you're going to have anybody on your mm -hmm. bench, be great if it's a guy like that. And, you know, Cronenworth last year in this format uh, averaged as many points per game. 2.97 is what he averaged. That's, I mean, it was more than Josh Bell, actually, although Josh Bell was obviously held back by his miserable April. No, Cronenworth's so. not on my bench, for what it's worth. Okay. Yeah, he's he's my starting second baseman. Understandable, understandable. But I was if I had taken him, that it would be with you know maybe not technically on my bench. Yeah, but that would enable me to put like an upside bat on my bench because I already had this versatile guy. 
All right, let's catch everybody up. After Clevenger went, then Ryan Presley lasted very long. Round 12 here. Someone I consider an elite closer. Then Hyunjin Ryu, Kaber Ruiz went to me. Uh, I think this is a format that should play well for him. High batting average, makes a lot of contact. Even if it's not power that he's providing, uh, home runs rather, then I think those will be doubles, which also, again, should play well here. Then Shane Boz and Tyler Stevenson to kick off round 13. Uh, Boz, someone that could start on the IL as well, recently got some loose bodies removed from his elbow. They seem optimistic that he'll be throwing in a couple of weeks, but uh, I also think that they'll be cautious. Obviously, a big arm, yeah. uh, big prospect, someone they're going to need later on in the season. So I think they will uh, will be cautious with one Shane Boz. Uh, and I am back up. There are a few things that I'm thinking about. All right, let's... What you thinking about, Frank? I don't know. You know, I, it's tough because... I, I want to talk it through, right? Help. Uh, well, I've got 10 seconds left, so I probably should decide what I want to do, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and grab one of the last elite uh, closers. I just don't know how many closers are going to have jobs, right? So, like, we talked, we just talked about that on yesterday's podcast as well. Give some bullpen updates the Giants, the Dodgers. Everyone's going by committee. Oof. We'll talk about that next pick, too. Uh, I select Jordan Romano. Uh, someone I consider, again, one of those top eight or nine elite closers, and I feel very safe about his job. Um, what about the job of Julio Rodriguez? Will he get the job? I don't know, but man, he just went in the 13th round, 147th overall, has looked very good so far in spring. I I read earlier that he made a base running mistake, and he struck out three times, and I think he lost the ball in the sun, so... Not great the, spring. Not the greatest showing for him on uh, on Wednesday, but overall he he's been yeah. very good. No, and I think this the the ration the same rationale for drafting Fernando Tatis kind of applies for Julio Rodriguez, where if it doesn't work out, you know whatever. What's a round thirteen pick in a league where only two hundred fifty players are rostered? You know, it could be could pay huge dividends. Yeah, he could, you know, be, be this year's prospect breakout. You know, go something like. 25 and 15. I mean, if he's up the entire season, I, I don't, I don't think that's crazy. Obviously that's like the upside um, possibility for him, but it's, yeah, it's there. It, it is, it is a, a rain in his range of outcomes after Julio Rodriguez, Carlos Carrasco, then Anthony Rizzo, Aroldis Chapman. And Oh, Hey, there's another Mariners outfielder <laughs> with a ton of upside. That's Jared Kelnick. So, I mean, Chris, what do you think? Is the helium getting too far on Julio Rodriguez if he's now going ahead of Jared Kelnick? I don't know. I mean, they're similarly talented players, and Julio Rodriguez was awesome at you know his first taste of the minors last season, whereas Jared Kelnick was really, really bad in the majors. So I think it's justifiable, and it's not like, like Jared Kelnick was really, really good in the high minors, but he wasn't necessarily so much better than Julio Rodriguez that... You know, you, you would say that he's a safer pick. So, I, I don't know. I, I think it's fine. Like, if, if Rodriguez is going to be on the everyday ro- on the opening day roster, I would think you probably want to draft the two of them pretty close to one another. But I, I do still have Kellenic ranked higher. So, I'm happy to take him there and, and snag some upside for my outfield. You know, with, with, the, with the Fernando Tatis pick, I'm kind of playing a, a hitter short. So, I, I do need to chase some upside there. All right, and then Scott, very next pick, you select Noah Syndergaard, who made his official spring debut the other day, and he pitched well, but there were reports afterwards that the fastball velocity was 93 to 95 miles per hour, whereas a couple of years ago, he was 97.7. I don't know that we need to overreact too much. You know, it's his first start of the spring. He could get built up Mm -hmm. as the season goes along, but uh, what do you think your overall thoughts here on on Noah Syndergaard this season? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely worth a shot at this point. I, I don't feel any safer with the other two of that Tommy John trio, Luis Severino and Mike Clevenger. Cindergard's uh, other than the velocity thing, Cindergard's looked the best so far. His secondaries are, are playing well. And they're, the latest report is they're not going to hold him to an innings limit this year, which they're going to go six man a lot of the time because of Otani. So maybe the innings limit is kind of already built in for Cindergard. But with uh, with Jack Flaherty being my fifth starting pitcher taken, assuming we're counting Michael Kopech as a reliever, uh, I, I needed 
I needed another. I, I needed somebody that I could start in week one, and and Syndergaard was the last available in a tier for me. There was the last available player in another tier. There was a last player in a tier at another position, I should say, that I considered instead, hoping he makes it back to me with my next pick. All right, let's see if that actually happens. The next pick after Syndergaard, Cal Quantrill, who has SPARP eligibility in this format, so you can use him as a relief pitcher, a little bit of a cheat code there on CBS Sports. I don't know how good Cal Quantrill actually is. He was awesome last year. The hard contact suppression was really, really strong for him, but doesn't get a ton of strikeouts. Um, So we'll see how he builds off that here in 2022. After he goes, uh, Randy Rosarena, Jorge Soler, and Ryan Mountcastle. So a bit of a run here on outfielders. You know how you know this is a listener's league? Because Randy Rosarena just went in round 13. <laughs> that is it's true. not his best format, but even so. Yeah. Like, if, we were, if we were drafting with other experts around the industry, he would have gone five rounds earlier than this, at least. Yeah, he strikes out quite a bit, but he still averaged three fantasy points per game last year, so... Yeah. He's not More a total John Carlos Stanton. Yeah, what it's worth. He's not a total yeah. dud. He's you know he's yeah pretty good. So, well, I mean, we don't think he's really as good as he was last year, or at least Fair. there's a lot of downside there. But yeah, yeah I mean, if, if he's just who he was last year, it'll be a good value. All right, and then to kick off round fourteen, John means business, and then Sonny Gray and Anthony Descofani. So, some starting pitchers off the board. By the way, uh, what I thought you were going to reference, Scott, is. You know how this is a listener league? Is is that Ryan Mountcastle lasted oh. to pick 156? Ooh, we'll talk about it. Uh, Mountcastle's ADP is 115.6 oh. over on Fantasy Pros, and he lasts about uh, 40 picks after that. The pick that has Scott up in arms, Seiya Suzuki, someone I, I considered at my pick as yeah. well. He would have been my third outfielder. He had his first home run of the uh-huh. spring on Wednesday, and it, Look, he's, he's striking out a lot right now. I think there's going to be a little bit of a transition period for him. But when he's right, really strong plate discipline should walk a Could lot. Could be a guy who really is good in this format, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I consider yeah. him at my pick. And honestly, I looked up and there was 10 seconds left. I, you know, If I actually thought about it, I'm, I might have selected Seiya Suzuki over Jordan Romano. Kind of wish I did. But anyway, here we are, Scott. You've got 10 seconds left. Yeah. That was the pick. That was the guy at the other position who I wanted to take. I'm going to take Kyle Hendricks mm. because Carlos Carrasco is already gone. And I don't think this is going to be one of those leagues where that forgotten ace trio lasts much deeper. I mean, it's round 14, so we're already pretty deep into things, right? Yeah, I'll take Hendricks. All right, fair enough. And uh, Chris, you are on the clock. We haven't checked in on your team in a while, so let's do... Exactly that. See what you got going on. You've got Will Smith at catcher, Reese Hoskins, Jake Cronenworth, Chris Bryant, Xander Bogarts, Mike Trout, and Jared Kelnick in your outfield. Shohei Otani at utility. Then you've got Robbie Ray, Eduardo Rodriguez, Dylan Cease, Patrick Sandoval as your starting pitchers. Uh, you've got Fernando Tatis on the bench. And now you just selected Aaron Ashby, who has SPARP eligibility, assuming that he actually starts for the Brewers. Yeah, I mean, he very well may not be in their rotation uh, to start the season, but love the upside of him as a spark. Figure I'd chase some upside there as well. Um, there's still enough starting pitchers and relief pitchers who are actual relief pitchers available that I'm not too worried about having someone for that spot if Ashby's not in the rotation to start the season. I just moved Aaron Ashby into Sleepers 3.0, mm. now available for reading on cbssports.com. Yes, make sure yeah. to go check it out. Support all the great writing that Scott and Chris do. I, I don't write as much as these guys. I am i don't see how it would be humanly possible to write as much as these guys do. Uh, so along with um, listening and watching the podcast, make sure to, to yes. read everything they put out as well. Uh, all right, after Aaron Ashby, Blake Trinan, Giovanni Gallegos, Lourdes Gurriel, Eddie Rosario. I mean, okay. Any other players that Frank likes that you guys want to draft right before <laughs> my pick? <laughs> um, the hit one of the hitters I was debating at my last pick uh, was actually Josh Donaldson. So I'm going to go ahead and select him, and I guess I could just play him at third base and leave Bobby Witt as my utility bat if I want to. Or if it makes me feel better, I'll, I'll just move Bobby Witt to third base and, and play Josh Donaldson as <laughs> my util. But anyway, I, I think he's fine. And Statcast Page was awesome last year. He's got to stay on the field. 
They're talking about him leading off for the Yankees. So he walks a lot on base percentage. Says score a lot of runs. Um, yeah, I think I think he should be very good in this format whenever he plays. Man, this like the group of people that are drafting right around me right yeah, now are just pitchers absolutely are just, yeah. crushing me. So at the turn here, <laughs> Jesus Lazardo and Tristan McKenzie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's my own fault. I, I should have just selected one of those guys before Josh Donaldson. But. And but the thing is, this is the kind of draft where it makes you rethink how you approach your future picks because yeah, there are a couple other sleeper pitchers that I still have in my queue. But like, given the way they're all coming off the board, can I afford to pass on one of them? I don't know if I can. I don't know point. that the quality of hitters and we had a mock draft like our latest head-to-head points mock draft played out like this where you reach a point in the hitter rankings and it's just like they're all the same and so everybody starts taking pictures you know and and that's that's how we ended up in a, in a league where 252 players are rostered our last head-to-head points mock like dane dunning was drafted because <laughs> yeah. like, everybody just stopped drafting hitters completely yeah. and i feel like we're at that point uh in this draft with maybe a couple exceptions all right, we are into round 15 now. Tristan McKenzie, I mentioned the first pick, and then I selected Alex Wood. Alex Wood, like, when he's on the field, I do have quite a bit of injury risk on my team, but he was awesome last year when he pitched. Um, so I, I saw a report, I think I, maybe I heard it on another podcast. You know, Saris mentioned that the velocity has been up for Alex Wood uh, during spring training, and the Giants get the best out of their starting pitchers. I, I think they'll do that once again, so... One of my rules this draft season, come away with at least one Giants pitcher in every draft. So one of the Alex's, Wood or Cobb, uh, Descalfani is part of that mix. I'm coming around on Carlos Rodon as well. So please give me at least one Giants starting pitcher. Um, speaking of the Giants, Jake McGee, 171st overall, and he goes ahead of Camilo Duvall. So we were just talking yeah, about I, that I, yesterday too. I think in this format, like, because I, I said on yesterday's podcast, they'd still take Duvall ahead of McGee. I think in this format, it, it makes sense to take McGee first. In this format, Duvall shouldn't be taken at all because there's not really any incentive to take a reliever who's not getting you saves right yeah. now. If it changes, you can go to the waiver wire. There are, there are always undrafted save sources in a head to head points league with only two relief pitcher spots. So just you just go for the guys who are, are going to give you immediate help. At that position. All right, Zach Greinke, the next pick here. Scott, remind me, is he part of the forgotten ace trio? It's a trio, Frank. You got Carrasco, you got Hendricks. Who's the third? It's right. Zach Greinke. It's Zach Greinke. All right, and he was just named the opening day starter for the Kansas City Royals. <laughs> and uh, just after Zach Greinke goes, Alex Cobb. I'm sorry, Chris. That's pretty much all the sleeper pitchers for me. <laughs> I might have caused that too because I, I accidentally name dropped, so I apologize. Joe Ryan, you're yeah. not a Joe Ryan fan? He just he just went right after. Yeah, so well, he's not there anymore. Yeah. Joe, Joe Ryan, by the way, the the fastball velocity has been up a little bit here in spring training. So wow. he eats, Nine, what, ninety one? <laughs> yeah. I actually think he's up around like ninety three. Last year it was like ninety one point oh. eight. So he's up like, you know, one point two miles per hour. Um but for someone who relies as much as he does on deception, I think every mile per hour could actually help Joe Ryan. So, Oh, uh, well, yeah. I mean, for most pitchers, it helps unless they're really heavy on the secondaries. Yeah. But Joe Ryan absolutely isn't. Joe Ryan is like the fastball. Uh, you, you, every time I point this out, Frank, you say, oh, he's got a pretty good slider too. So I'll just preempt that. <laughs> but like the fastball is the make or break pitch. Very, nobody knows why it's effective. I, I, heard i've read a theory that it, it has to do with his arm angle it's just such an unusual arm angle uh but there's not much spin on it there's not much sink on it there's not much velocity on it if for some reason that fastball is super effective and he throws it like two-thirds of the time yeah so it's actually something that's become more popular in i think fantasy baseball and just baseball in general like sabermetrics the past couple of years is um vertical approach angle and that's something that apparently joe ryan and, and his teammate, Bailey Ober, they both uh, excel at. So I tweeted this article out earlier in the offseason. I would encourage everyone to go check it out. It's by John Foley, and it's on uh, twinkytown.com. It's like their SB Nation website for the Twins. And it explains how vertical approach angle, uh, how it helps sneaky fastballs, basically. And, and 
Joe Ryan is like the poster child for this. So if you want to learn more about it, I definitely would point you in that direction. Uh, after Joe Ryan went, Joe Adele, great pick, Chris. I I considered selecting him as well. And this is probably isn't his preferred format. He's, he's still going to strike out quite a bit. By the way, in spring training, his strikeout rate is only 22%. It's it's like 20, and it was twenty five three percent last last season. So I mean, if it, in you know thirty something games that he played, but yeah, if like it's sort of like if he's as good as we think he can be, it doesn't really matter. It's like Byron Buxton last season, where like yeah, it's not his ideal format. But if Joe Adele plays like we think Joe Adele can, then it doesn't the the format doesn't matter. And I'll give everybody a little sneak peek into the Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter, which is coming out later this week. Uh, our buddy Dan Schneier puts that together. Please go to cbssports.com slash newsletters, and you can sign up for free. He does you know, put a lot of work into it. And he asks us a roundtable panel discussion. Who is the one hitter that you need to come away with in every draft this weekend? And Joe Adele was that hitter for me, so it looks like mm. that's not going to happen. So, unfortunately... You know who the hitter was for me, Frank? Oh, he got Scott. Salvador Perez, come on. <laughs> so I, I wanted to choose later options because, you know, sometimes the, the, early, <laughs> the early to mid-round picks, it's like you might be at the mercy of where you're drafting at. So it's a little bit yeah. tougher. But uh, yeah, Joe Adele has been awesome. Three homers, three steals so far in the preseason. Uh, he looks very good. After Joe Adele, Scott selected Aaron Savale, then Austin Meadows, Tony Gonsolin, Trevor Bauer, and Zach Gallen. That finishes out round 15. Zach Gallen made his spring debut on Wednesday. Uh, I saw that his velo was up across the board, one mile per hour on every pitch. So that's a good sign. It, you know, that's actually very encouraging for Zach Gallon. I think something to pay attention to for him. Round 16 begins with Tarek Skubal, Tommy Edmond, and Brendan Rogers. All right, Scott, you are on the clock. Do you have any idea what you're going to do? Okay. I think I know what I want to do. All right. I think uh, so, Frank. Well, well I'll, I'll let you think about it till we get to your pick. Chris. No, 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 no. No? Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I wanted to ask Chris about uh, Zach Gallon's start here on on Wednesday afternoon. I know he's dealing with the shoulder offseason injury last year. He had the elbow and the forearm. Um, what do you take away from Wednesday's performance? Does that give you any optimism when when drafting him? I mean, it's it's like we've been saying all along. It, it's, you know, the first question with someone like Zach Allen is, is he currently healthy? And as of today it does seem as if Zach Allen is currently healthy. So that's the first question. It's just the the next question is, can he be good? And the fact that the velocity was up is a good sign. Only three swinging strikes on 20, on 36 pitches overall. Three of them did, all three of them came on the fastball. He really didn't throw his other pitches. Uh, part, well, I guess 20, 20 fastballs on 36 pitches. That's only like 55%. I guess that's an okay rate. Um but yeah, I don't think you can learn too much except that he is currently healthy. That's the only real answer we've gotten. But yeah, when I you mean, get to this point he in was, draft... Supposedly he was healthy for the final three and a half months last year too. That's the, like he was... I'm always leery of the guy who... There's an inexplicable loss of effectiveness, especially when there's an elbow injury surrounding it. And his whiff rate was down after he returned from that elbow. Like way down. Like yeah. one of the worst in baseball. And so, you know, the fact that it's not like he's getting a ton of whiffs this spring. I'm still like, that's, that's the, I, I just, I can't draft Zach Gallen. Like it would have to be one of my last picks if he somehow makes it that long. I just, yeah, I, 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 I it's about as confident as I've ever felt a pitcher is going to have Tommy John surgery at some yeah. point. I'm not there. I, I don't feel comfortable projecting, predicting injuries either way, but I, I, I think you you need to be very skeptical of him at this point. And, and look, it, it may still be worth drafting him at this range, but um, there are other pitchers who I think are probably more worth the gamble given everything going on with Gallon. All right, let's catch people up. Scott, you selected Adalberto Mondesi. Is he Got my third baseman, baby. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, well, um, obviously this is not his preferred format, but we're in round 16, and... I believe hey, that was hey, pick hey, hey. Uh, 185. So, I will tell you, <laughs> Austin Riley averaged 3.06 fantasy points per game last year. You know how many points per game Adalberto Mondesi averaged in the, like 18 games he played or whatever? 3.07, more than Riley. Mm. Yeah. No, he'll be 
fine in this format if he stays healthy. Obviously, it's not as worth the risk in this format because you don't need, like, stolen bases or whatever. But stolen bases are worth two points apiece. So as long as Adalberto Mondesi is healthy, he should be a fine starter for me. It's just, what are the odds of that, you know? If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Oh, right. I should probably stop uh, looking up Adalberto Mondesi stats and realize that I'm on the clock. So uh, I'll catch people up there. So Frank, that, that look you made, was that for Scott's pick or mine? Uh, <laughs> that was definitely for your pick. So we're going to talk okay. about that in just a second. Oh, uh, okay. I'm going to go ahead and select Hunter Renfro to be my third outfielder. So take that, Scott. He won't be Hello. on your team. <laughs> Hello, Frank. What, Hello. what are you doing to me? I'm sorry. That's bud. fine. You take him. I don't need him. Uh, I'm over him. I was looking up, uh, I was looking up Mondesi's points per game in previous seasons. So, all right. He was 2.8 in 2020. He was 3.2 in 2019. Uh, so he still was very good. All right, so let's catch people up. After Mondesi, Chris selected Hunter Green, and then Chris Taylor, Casey Mize, Jose Urquidy, strong Urquidy pick. I, I was looking at him as well. Ty France, I took Hunter Renfro, and then Corey Knable. Uh Hunter Green was just named to the opening day roster. He'll be the fourth starter in the Cincinnati Reds rotation to open the season. And Chris, what do you think about the, the upside here of Hunter Green? I mean, he throws incredibly hard. He may actually throw 106 innings last season. So even though that was his first, I mean, really his first extended run as a professional, he had thrown 68 innings in 2018 before that. Um, but yeah, he was a double A and triple A last season, 31.7% strikeout rate between the two levels, uh, 21 years old uh, at double A AA and triple A 22 this season. I don't know. It's upside. That's all it is. It's a, a super talented pitcher, number two overall pick in the draft, who's making the leap to the majors after only 179 innings. Reds seem to think he's ready, and he's really, really talented. So I don't know. Why not take the chance here at this point in the draft, especially when pitching has been so hard to come by? You know, it's why not? Why not see if I can get an upside guy there and then you know, focus on filling out my bench with perhaps more safe picks. Yeah, I wonder how aggressive they'll be on a per-game basis with his innings workload. You know, will he often go more than five innings per start? But in those five innings, he could be very good. Again, he throws incredibly hard, 100 miles per hour, uh, apparently has a wipeout slider. And he actually threw more innings last year than I thought. So he's right around, I think it was like 106 innings last year. So, you know, if they want him in the rotation for the entirety of the season... You know, maybe he can get to like 130, 140 innings. I don't, I don't think that's crazy for uh, for Hunter Green to kick off round 17. No, I think, I think 150 is probably uh, a reasonable, you know, probably closer to the ceiling than the floor. But um, you know, a 50 inning jump isn't isn't out of the question. Yeah, he just has to perform. I mean, if he if he does, they're going to leave him in the rotation. You know, if yeah. if he's not doing so well by the time Castillo and Mike Miner are, are ready to return, then you know, unfortunately, he yeah. might be a, a casualty sent back to the minors. 
Uh, here in round 17, Randall Grichuk, very strong pick, 193rd overall. I selected yep. John Gray. He's my seventh starting pitcher. He'll be the opening day starter for the Texas Rangers. Uh, and then DJ LeMahieu, Yusei Kikuchi, O'Neill Cruz. All right. Interesting. Um, yeah, I was here. getting ready to take him. In the middle of round 17, still lots of if upside. I didn't already have t- if I didn't already have Tatis. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it's a good point, Chris, because you can only afford to, I guess, stash so many players, right? So you got to keep that in mind. Tatis is a freebie because he gets to go in the IL spot. So that's nice. But Cruz, you have to, you have to have in one of your five bench spots, which reduces SP streaming options. You, you really need him to come up quickly if you're going to invest in him in a head to head points league and and there are no guarantees, but hopefully he does at this point. It's obviously worth the risk. After O'Neill Cruz, Herman Marquez, who is very frustrating to figure out when you want to pitch him, but he typically does go very deep into his starts. He's a workhorse. Um, so if nothing else, he'll provide innings. I just don't know how great those innings will be. Chris, you're back up here. Uh, and oof, you're going with the uh, the upside prospect pitchers at this point, and you select Reed Detmers. Tell us about him. I mean, look, the, the, this is this is exactly what happened in the last head-to-head points draft we did that Scott was talking about earlier where you would start to see pitchers drafted in this range. You're like, wow, that's really early for them. But relative to you know, actual players, like other players available, it's not really that early. So, I don't know, like, in a 12-team points league, Demers isn't a must-draft guy, but I like him quite a bit, quite a bit more than than most, I think. And uh, let's see, I drafted him 225th overall in that previous one, 200 or 199th here, so a little bit of inflation there, but that's fine. All right, and then next pick, Scott selects Alex Kirilov. Uh, are you starting Alex Kirilov, Scotty? Yeah. Oh, my bench is. I've drafted so many. Like, I have only two bench spots left. So okay. I got some lineup to fill out here still. Because I drafted so many. I kept drafting pitchers for a while there. You know, Savale and Hendricks and Cindergard. Uh, They're all technically on my bench. All right, so Kirilov is your third outfielder. And then after you selected him, we see Jordan Montgomery, Alex Verdugo, and Mitch Keller, someone who's also been in the news recently. Spring training, velocity way up, three miles per hour on seemingly all of his pitches. And um, he's looked really good so far. What I really like out of Mitch Keller's spring is that he's only walked one batter. Walks have been, along with many other things, you know, getting hit hard, uh, have been big issues for Mitch Keller. So... Uh, I like that he's only walked one through three starts so far. I think he has either seven or eight strikeouts to that one walk. Uh, so I'm intrigued. He's got the slider. He's got the curveball and uh, increased velocity here on the fastball. Trent Grisham to finish out round 17. And another prospect, an upside play to kick off round 18. Bryson Stott with the Philadelphia Phillies. He's been playing shortstop, third base in spring training. And Scott, I mean, it's growing more and more likely that Stott might actually be on the opening day roster for them. Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean, Alec Bohm is the defensive liability, as we talked about, what, an hour ago at this point? <laughs> uh, and and like, he was a disaster at the play last year, and he's been a disaster this spring, at least last I looked. So Stott is... I mean, I, I kind of think he's the favorite at this point to take the third base job. Bohm has options. They can send him down, have him work on his issues there. Uh, and he's a great plate discipline guy, so it makes sense in a points league to take a chance on him. All right. After Bryson Stott, Jared Walsh. Look, we don't like drafting Jared Walsh, but this is pretty late. 18th round, 206th overall. Uh, he still was pretty good last year. He was very good, so I want to give him credit. Um, and You know, you know what? I, I think the reports of, of the Angels looking for a platoon option for him have turned off basically anybody who was on to Jared Walsh, which may be a little bit of an overreaction because part of that story was also, we're, we're going to give him another chance against left-handers. But if it goes as poorly as it did last year, we want to have yeah. options. All which right. is just smart team building. Uh, after Jared Walsh, we see Chris Paddock, who is battling for one of the final rotation spots with the Padres, Mark Melanson. Uh, and Scott, you are back up. Do you know who you're going to draft? I do. I'm going to take another upside play here after doing 
Uh, Kirloff, last time I'm going to go for Spencer Torkelson. Ooh. Who was a high walk guy in the minors and hopefully will continue to be in the majors. I think it's pretty much a done deal. He's going to start for the Tigers at first base this year. And everyone keeps drafting pitchers, so... Maybe I should have taken one of those instead. Yeah, McKenzie Gore goes two picks later, and I was hoping to get him, but that's fine. Yep. And yeah, that, I thought I moved McKenzie Gore up enough in my rankings, but clearly I didn't because he was not showing up on my page, and I would have rather <laughs> taken him than the last couple of guys I took. So I will uh, do that now <laughs> for next time. Uh, Spencer Torkelson, by the way, at three different levels last year, here were his walk rates, 17%, 14%, 13%. The OBP at each of those levels, 440, 373, 350. So you're right, Scott. <laughs> lots of walks and hopefully lots of home runs as well. Uh, after Torkelson, Chris selected Josiah Gray, then Mackenzie Gore, and Zach Plesak, our old friend from last year. Good old Zach Plesak. Plesak mm. was the number two guy in my queue. I mm. like him. I like dra- dra- drafting him this season in a points league late. Wow, Chris. Such a hypocrite. You didn't even like Zach Plesak. I know. I know. <laughs> I am a hypocrite. Uh, I man. prefer to think of him as more like a hipster. You know, he's into <laughs> he's into those old trends. Uh, yeah, but then no, but that would be I, I would have liked Zach Plesak before everyone else did. You know, do do hypocrite and hipster share the same root word? Something to ponder. These guys are crushing me, man. I wanted Riley Green, and he goes two picks before me here. I mean, it's just every prospect I feel like has been selected already. So uh, Nick Lodolo, yeah. just another one. He he might be the fifth starter for the Reds. We don't know that exactly for sure yet. Yep. Which is interesting because all the prospects were bad last year. Yes. Yeah, I have a theory this year is going to be a banner year for prospects, though. I had yeah. such a hard time narrowing down that top 10 prospects to stash list after already yeah, eliminating. Like it. Oh, I didn't yeah, mean like, to do I, that. I feel like the bottleneck from 2020 when there was no minor league season is about to be relieved and it's just going to be a flood of talent. Uh, what a what a rookie mistake. I uh, What did you do, Frank? I selected a Tampa Bay pitcher who I did not mean to select, but I oh, will not no. undo the pick. I, this is not a Sean Murphy, Sean Mania situation. I'll stick with it. I do like Andrew Kitchers regardless, but that is not the player that I wanted to select. I got all flustered because I wanted Riley Green and, and I got sniped, so... <laughs> that stinks. Uh, all right. I'm, yeah. I, I guess I'll just go ahead and select who I was going to anyway. And I don't know. I'll probably just drop Andrew Kittredge. Um, it's, it's happened to all of us at this point now. Yeah. Uh, so I, I wanted Drew Rasmussen because he has SPARP eligibility and he was yeah. actually pretty good for Tampa Bay last year. And looks like he's penciled in as, as the second starter in their rotation. Again, like their rotation is not very good right now. And I think that they need something out of Drew Rasmussen and, Again, he was good, and he has RP eligibility, so I'll take the shot. For what it's worth, I would have totally let you back up that pick. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to draft. I would not have. I, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't really. even going to present no, that fine. as a possibility because, <laughs> no, we made Scott stick with it, and that's fine. You know, I'll just, any, any, anybody who tells we made, me. We I made Chris stick with it. Well, I, I don't know. There were, Scott, that was more, Scott's, that was more no, of a strategic no. error than a... Yeah. Like a, a process error. <laughs> no. It Wasn't it, didn't you have David Fletcher in your you, you queue for, or something like that? You forgot you already had a player at the position, right? Wasn't that the issue? Yeah. Oh, right. I okay. didn't have a, I only had utility left. <laughs> well, good thing David Fletcher was named the opening day shortstop, Chris. So there you go. Oh, I mean, look, I'm. I, he's worth drafting in a roto league. Is he though? Not in your utility yeah. spot. <laughs> yeah, but not for your fact. utility spot. Yeah. All right, let's right. catch people up. Uh, after my Andrew Kittredge blunder at the end of round 18, Luis Patino and Bailey Ober went. I think the Ober pick is fantastic. He does um, really nice walk rate last year. He just does not walk anybody. Uh, and he's looked pretty good so far in the spring. I selected Drew Rasmussen and then Yuli Gurriel, Scott Barlow, Waskari Noah, Marco Gonzalez. And Chris, uh, which prospect starting pitcher are you going to select now? <laughs> so I was thinking, out. I think I'm probably actually going to go the opposite direction. Oh, draft a guy that I don't know if I've mentioned on this podcast, but yeah, we're going to go with Corey Kluber. All right. Hey, also Tampa part of that Tampa, Tampa Bay rotation. 
<laughs> they need length from some of their starters. And, you know, Corey yeah. Kluber is a veteran he wasn't in that rotation. terrible so. last season. He wasn't like... The argument last year about Corey Kluber was like, I was anti Corey Kluber because I thought people were hoping he could be really, really good. And I didn't think he could be that. But in a points league, you know, maybe, maybe he can give me uh, some decent production when I need him, you know, especially in a two start week or something like that. Yes. There's a possibility. A a Scott W wrote in the chat, what a blast, everyone. And I legitimately was kind of mind blown for a second because I didn't, I was like, Scott's on the clock. I don't think that he would be writing that. So I guess, I guess it's Scott Wolf, our other Scott W here in the draft. Uh, But Scott, you are up. So who would you like to select? I'm glad he's just, you know, he's just sharing platitudes basically in the chat room. That's, that's considerate of him. He's not going on a vulgar tirade or anything. <laughs> Appreciate that, Scott Wolf. Yes, please don't do that now just because Scott brought it up. Yeah, <laughs> that'd not be great. Uh, you selected Nestor Cortez and then uh, Lance McCullers. Not a bad pick at this point. I mean, I don't know if we'll get anything from McCullers, but again, there's three IL spots, so not a not a bad stash opportunity. Alejandro Kirk. Uh, if, yeah. Man, if he just plays, I don't know, Let's say the Blue Jays have six games in a week. He catches two of them, DHs the other two. If he gives you four games, I'm happy. Yeah. And this is a format I, where he should be really good in. I uh, like. I'm beginning to reach like salivation levels of <laughs> desire for Alejandro to the point that I briefly had the thought: Can I take him for my bench, even though I have Salvador Perez? And obviously, oh my. I can't. That's <laughs> just you don't have the roster space for that in, in a head-to-head points league. But, you know, when uh, you said salivation levels, I thought you were going to say Salvador Perez. <laughs> sal, sal, yeah, salvi levels of desire. That, that almost works, yeah. Uh, well, I guess the only format where you would wind up with him, Scott, is a two-catcher league, right? Because, I mean... No. Well, if, if I drafted Salvador Perez. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, I mean. If I miss out yeah. on Salvador Perez, he's probably... I'd say Alejandro Kirk, for where he generally goes, is the most likely catcher... For me to draft if I miss out on Salvi. There's a chance I'll draft somebody before then if I like the value, Mitch Garver, Dalton Varsho, mm-hmm. somebody like that. But uh, most likely, it's going to be Salvi, who I'm tempted. I, I think I'm going to go ahead and move him up in my rankings to right behind Garver, eighth at the position. All right. Um, let's see. What else has happened? After Alejandro Kirk, Yoan Moncada... Ryan McMahon that finishes out round 19, and then Taylor Rogers. Taylor Rogers, the hype is growing. The ADP for those who play in roto leagues or high stakes leagues has been way on the rise. Uh, so lots of optimism for Taylor Rogers. Then Christian Javier, Kyle Gibson, Steven Matz, and Scott, you are back up. Let's see. I would imagine you only have bench spots to fill at this point. No, I don't. I have a relief pitcher spot. Oh, okay. And I think I'm going to fill it. I, I kind of wanted to wait till the end just on principle, but all the Sparps are gone that are worth drafting. And, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't lean on Dylan Floro anymore because he's not going to be healthy to start the year. I can't lean on jo- Joe Barlow either, it turns out. Scott Barlow's still fine, but Joe yes. Barlow. Oddly, Chris Woodward, um, we didn't have a direct quote, I don't think, but the, the Rangers beat writer for MLB.com in one of those predicting the opening day roster pieces. She said that Chris Woodward, because the, because expectations are higher for the Rangers now, he doesn't want Joe Barlow in the closer role. He'd rather go with a veteran there. Which I'm, I'm not sure I follow that logic and how <laughs> high are the expectations really. But, I mean, Joe Barlow is not interesting except for the fact that he'd be getting saves. Yeah. So No, that's, I saw that exact report. Uh, just either earlier today or yesterday, and I'm, I'm happy you brought that up. So uh, I think we all need to collectively lower Joe Barlow and our expectations for him this season. Um, I, like, I still think he's the top Rangers reliever to draft because the alternatives are like Spencer Patton and Greg Holland. Mm-hmm. Like, how likely are they to keep the role? But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a mess. It's kind of like the Pirate situation where it's a mess of not very good options for a not very good team. Yeah. All right. I am not going to change my positions because just in case these two gentlemen ahead of me are watching on YouTube, they've been crushing me all draft. So I don't want them to have any <laughs> indication of what I'm going to do here because 
again, it's it's been rough. Uh, this is a did real. We mention, did we mention I drafted Matt Barnes? I'm not sure I actually said the name of the receiver <laughs> I drafted. I don't think that you did, but yes, you, okay. you, you selected yeah, for Matt the podcast Barnes. audience. It was Matt Barnes. <laughs> uh, by the way, look, if either of you guys are interested in Andrew Kittredge, like. I will legitimately trade you. So <laughs> before I drop him, I'll just kind of throw him out there in case anyone wants to uh, trade me for Andrew Kittredge. I, I still like him. Maybe I'll just hold him. I don't know. I really want to play a Sparp, but maybe Drew Rasmussen isn't even that good. We'll see. Uh, after Scott selected Matt Barnes, um, Chris took Lou Trevino. I saw a report recently that uh, they believe he will be the first uh, first one up there for saves, which is what we mostly expected. We've heard some... Yeah. <sighs> We've heard some rumblings about Lutravina, uh, about AJ Puck, uh, then Gary Sanchez, Elias Diaz, Edward Cabrera, and the pick that I wanted was Steven Strasburg, and he goes one pick before me. Uh, you He's know, uh, set to make a Grapefruit League debut, right? We we have IL spots available, so I figured, hey, why not? You know, just use one of them, and if I could get anything out of Strasburg, that would be great. But <sighs> alas, was not man, to be. The, uh, they have just been crushing me this entire time. Uh, so there is actually one more Sparp eligible player I learned about today. Oh, Nick Martinez. Somebody. Yeah. So oh, yeah. That's a good call. Nick Martinez is, um, I think he's yeah. basically wrapped up the fifth starter job for the Padres. They, they gave him some money this offseason. He's returning from Japan where uh, apparently he reinvented himself. He's looked really good in spring training. I think he threw like four more scoreless innings on Wednesday. Um, yeah, he's going to have a job and he has Sparp eligibility in this format. So I, I think, yeah, this late, you know, take a shot. Him, Drew yeah. Rasmussen, see what happens. It's a four-year commitment they made to him. So, like, they must be pretty convinced to give him a four-year deal. I, I think skepticism is warranted, and, and with Mackenzie Gore coming on, they have alternatives. The Padres do, but, yeah, I agree. Nick Martinez There's probably another deserves out there. Oh. Let me see if I can find him now. Oh, no. <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about, and if it is who I'm thinking about, oh, well, actually, yeah, that person's interesting, too. Hmm. All right. Well, maybe you'll select him, Chris, and, and then we could talk about him. Or I'll just wait till the No, I'm not going to select is, him. But is he somebody a, who's, who's supposed to be in the rotation? or? Yeah. Oh, actually, there is quite a few. He was in, he was in the rotation last year, too. Okay. Yeah, there is, there is a few here that I noticed. At least one. Mm-hmm. There's one who's not very good. Is it that one? <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll talk about him once once the draft is over. We're in the final round. I mean, of it's two hundred and forty second overall, so chances are none of them are very good. Well, yes. you know, but there, there there are like Nate Pearson's out there. He has a lot of upside, but he doesn't have a spot. Um, There's uh, Carlos there Hernandez. Might, not very good. Yeah, that's is it. Carlos there, Hernandez. That's one of three. I think okay. there are three Sparps left who will likely be in a rotation to start this year. Okay. Yes. Because uh, okay. like Alec Mills and Jose Quintana are probably in their respective rotations, yeah, right? Yes. Not, wor- not Yeah. Who's drafting them? Same thing for Zach Thompson with the Pirates and um, then Zach Thompson's not totally without interest. The, oh, good, good, uh, good job there, Frank. I didn't think of Matt Brash. Boy, that's you know I I hadn't completely updated my starting pitcher rankings. I I updated draft. them I just, just ran out of time. I updated them just before Scott. I was like yeah. I was scrolling through ADP. I was like, all right, let me find all of the hype guys throughout spring, all the prospects, and you know, I just went and moved them all up the rankings. And Matt Brash, awesome slider, throws mid to upper nineties fastball. I think he's going to be the fifth starter in the Mariners rotation to open the season. Uh, I think he's earned that. He's looked good in the spring, and um, yeah. He's, he's someone that comes with intrigue, so I'm drafting him late, very late in my drafts. Um, the I, th- I don't know if I mentioned these two picks. Camilo Doval went 240th, and then Jamison Tyone to kick off round 21. I took Matt Brash, and then uh, Brandon Belt. If if you need a utility hitter at this point, he should be very good, as should be Connor Joe. I love him. I, I guess not enough to draft him, though. You know, I've I've heard some scouts think Matt Brash's personality fits better in the closers role. Is that I? Mm, are you making? Mm, yep. I don't yep, know. I am. All right. Yep. One hundred percent. I didn't know how exactly I wanted to. Yep, that's what it is. Yep. I, I didn't yep, know. Just a, a dumb joke. All right. Yep. Uh, that was like a. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say like that's a dad joke, and I was like, yeah, you know, Chris is like a technically he's like a a cat dog dad, so. Something. I'm an uncle. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, after Connor Joe, Luis Arias, who will open the season on the IL due to a quad injury, still could be very good in this format. He, he had a double-digit walk rate last year, and uh, 
obviously Chris and I had a lot of intrigue in him yeah. uh, before getting hurt. And then Kid Brian Hayes, Chris, you selected Eliezer Hernandez. He's having a very strong spring. I, I debated him or Matt Brash with my pick, actually. Yeah, I, I think Eliezer Hernandez is pretty interesting in this format. Obviously, the he's probably not going to get you very many quality starts at all because he very rarely pitches deep into games. But we're going quite deep at starting pitcher, and I've taken a lot of uh, weird flyers. So getting as many darts on the board as I can at starting pitcher in this league. Uh, Fernando Tatis is my only bench hitter. Yeah, I I think both Scott and I only have pitchers on our bench, so that's that's typically yeah. the case in in these head to head points leagues. Yeah, I mean Flaherty's going to go on the IL for me right away, obviously, and maybe I'll pick up a bat then. But there, yeah, I think that's I'm going to put Tatis on the IL and pick up a pick up a bat, hopefully. Right. So I just and there will Andrew. be good ones available. I'm a little surprised Andrew Heaney was still available, just because he's there are some people who are really really into drafting him. He's shown good bat missing ability in the past, but just got clobbered by home runs and they're hoping the Dodgers, the Dodgers now can work with their magic on him. And he's apparently, they've been trying to teach him this, this breaking ball that they teach a lot of their pitchers They call it a sweeper. I don't know what it's technically classified as this, the sweeping breaking ball that I, I know, I know just the report of that kind of renewed enthusiasm throughout the fantasy industry for Andrew Heaney. I'm majorly skeptical, but Nobody else wanted him, so I guess I'll see if uh, if everyone else is right about him. Well, there it um, is. I mean, it's it's round yeah. twenty one, Scott. So I right, mean, there's, exactly. there's no risk exactly. if, if he's uh, if he's bad his first couple of runs through exactly. through the rotation, then you'll just drop him anyway. And how did we finish this one out? Taiwan Walker, Gregory Soto, Eduardo Escobar, and Mister Irrelevant Nick Pavetta. All right, so there we are. Listener League number one, head to head points in the books. Uh, we still. Got a little bit of time here left, so let's quickly run through each of our teams. Not everyone's team, but uh, each of us three, and then we will we'll wrap it up. Scott, we'll start with your squad. You've got Salvador Perez, Josh Bell, Jose Altuve, Adalberto Mondesi, and Bo Bichette in your infield. Then Kyle Schwarber, Alex Kirilov, Brian Reynolds, and Spencer Torkelson as your outfield and utility bat. Then you've got uh, Adam Wainwright, Scherzer, Charlie Morton, you Darvish, Jack Flaherty as your starters. Of course, you know, you'll throw Flaherty on the IL to start the season. And then you've got uh, Matt Barnes, Kopech at relief pitcher. Your bench filled with pitchers. Noah Syndergaard, Andrew Heaney, Kyle Hendricks, Aaron Savale, and Nestor Cortez. What do you think? I'm pretty happy with it. I'm pretty happy with that. You can tell the three spots in my hitter lineup where I'm just like, Okay, there, there, there isn't any hitters. There aren't any hitters worth taking anymore. So I'm just going to keep taking pitchers for a while. But I filled those spots with upside plays and Adalberto Mondesi at third base, and then uh, Kirilov in the outfield, Spencer Torkelson at utility. You know, if if they live up to their potential, they'll be great starters for me. If they don't, there's going to be an abundant waiver wire to turn to. Uh, so I feel, I feel like having uh, six solid hitters in those nine spots and a better catcher than anybody, of course, in Salvador Perez. I feel like it's strong and I, I feel like my, for, for maybe the ways where I was willing to take a hit in that starting lineup, my, my pitching staff, the strength of it shows up. You know, we did a head to head mock draft a while ago where my lineup looked kind of weak and I wasn't sure the pitching staff w- looked strong enough to make up for it. But I think this one does. I mean, Scherzer, Morton, Darvish, great top three. All of them have, like any of them could compete for the Cy Young Award this year, and I don't think anybody's bad an eye at that. Adam Wainwright is the four. I reached for him a little, but I think he's undervalued. He was a top 10 pitcher in this format last year. Uh, Flaherty, of course, has upside, and and while he's gone, Syndergaard will fill in for him. And even on my bench, I have pitchers who, you know, Kyle Hendricks and Aaron Savale, I think, are both great values in this format since they go so deep into games and obviously volume counts for a lot at starting pitcher. So yeah, I'm really happy with this team. All right. Yeah. I think the top three uh, starting pitchers there really like it. Wainwright makes sense for this format. The bench, you've got Hendricks and, and Savale who both uh, respectively go very deep into their starts. So uh, yeah, I think it works out. You'll be able to fill in there while, while Jack Flaherty's on the IL. I think it's, Pretty good team. It's man, you know. I was just thinking about my pitching staff, and we'll get to it in just a little bit. It's 
not feeling great about the pitching staff. Let's take a look at Chris's team. He's got uh, Will Smith as his catcher, Reese Hoskins, the pocket, respect, uh, Jake Cronenworth, then Chris Bryant, Xander Bogarts in your infield, Mike Trout, Joe Adele, Jared Kelnick, and Shohei Otani. <laughs> I just realized you have three Angels hitters on your team. Yeah, That's pretty awesome. The Angels stack. <laughs> uh, the Angels win the pennant. And then for your pitchers, you've got Robbie Ray, Eduardo Rodriguez, Dylan Cease, Hunter Green, and Patrick Sandoval as your starters. You've got Aaron Ashby and Lou Trevino as your relievers. On the bench, Kluber, Tatis, Eliezer Hernandez, Reed Detmers, Josiah Gray. You know, Chris, just reading through now, I was like, it looks like there's something missing. And then I got to the bench and I remembered you have Fernando Tatis. Yeah, there's a pitcher missing, I think, <laughs> and it's because of Fernando Tatis. If it wasn't for T- Fernando Tatis, I probably would have just taken a pitcher in that range, and then it would look a lot better. But, you know, for having Fernando Tatis, I think the lineup is incredibly strong. Um, the weakest spots are Jake Cronenworth, who's a really valuable piece that I can move into three different spots in the lineup, which is super valuable when you look at the bench that I have, which doesn't have any hitters. Um, and then two huge upside outfielders in Jared Kalanick and, and Joe Adele are my other weak spots. And I, I think at least one of them is going to be very good, potentially both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the pitching staff. You'd rather go with an upside play like that, not you specifically, but just the audience. You'd yes. rather go in a in a format this shallow. You'd rather take the shot on upside than, than go with like a Hunter Renfro, as much as I like Hunter Renfro. You know the upside is only so high. Well, and you you look at the bench or the the guys who are available on waivers and like mm-hmm. Robbie Gross and Michael Brantley, Abisail yep. Garcia, Charlie Blackman, yep. Dylan Carlson, like any of those guys could be a fine starter if Absolutely. if Joe Adele and, and Jared Kalnick flop. So that that's that's why I'm I'm I was aiming for upside with those with those guys. Uh, now Makes you got sense. me. Now you got me rethinking my Hunter Renfro pick too, Scott. Oh man, oh, you got him pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he could get first base eligibility. So. Oh, yeah. is that is that a thing? Is that happening? Yeah, he's been working out at first base. Oh, nice. Spring. All right. That's that's something I saw. But yeah, no, it's the reason I took so many pitchers and, and so many upside pitchers, at least in my eyes, is because I'm gonna need, you know, I'm gonna need some bra- someone to step up at starting pitcher to make up for the fact that I did take, you know, Fernando Tatis at a spot where I would prefer to have a starter available. It's just, you know, that may not happen until June. Yep, you you made that sacrifice, but hey, it's something that we were all considering. At least Scott was yeah. something that I was thinking about doing as well. We've got three IL spots in this league, uh, so you'll stash Fernando Tatis and so whenever he returns, hopefully in June. All right, let's take a look at my team here before we wrap up. I've got Cabert Ruiz as my catcher, then Vladimir Guerrero, Jorge Polanco, Josh Donaldson, Wander Franco as my infield. Then I've got Hunter Renfro, Cody Bellinger, Yordan Alvarez, and Bobby Witt as my outfield and util. I originally drafted Bobby Witt to be my third baseman, and then Josh Donaldson just lasted a long time, so I wound up drafting him as well. Uh, There's a good chance Witt will be your third baseman at some point. Yeah, that's definitely fair. And I'll either drop Donaldson, use him at Util, or I don't know, find or whoever is hot at that point. Put, put him in an IL spot. spot is what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. Dunk it on my Yankees. Come on. Uh, my starting pitchers. I've got Zach Wheeler, Justin Verlander, Chris Bassett, Shane McClanahan, Logan Gilbert, my relievers, Andrew Kittredge, Jordan Romano. Best pick of the draft. And then, uh, on my bench, all pitchers, Alex Wood, John Gray, Nick Martinez, Drew Rasmussen, and Matt Brash. Um, just looking at it now, I, I think it's all right. I, I, I wish I had a little bit more quality depth at starting pitcher up top. Uh, I like Wheeler and Verlander. Again, Bassett was the high floor play to kind of complement Shane McClanahan and Logan Gilbert at the time. You know, obviously those two guys are have breakout potential. Uh, I, I love the hitters that I came away with. I, I think, you know, some of these guys might be a little bit too, you know, boomer bust. Cabert Ruiz, Bobby Witt, let's see what those guys can do. Uh, Wander Franco in year two. It's a fun team. I just, I think it's a little bit more boomer bust than I'm used to. I, I think it's good. All right. I think it's good. I, I like all three of our teams. I think we did a good job despite drafting <laughs> against people who... <laughs> we knew we're going to mimic us. Yeah, it, it wasn't so bad. It wasn't so well. I don't know. You you seem to have a hard time with it, Frank. Oh, at your I mean, end of the draft, Sandy but, Alcantara. Ah, it was, it was, uh, Sandy. It wasn't Sandy. ideal, and I ended up with a lot of guys who I usually don't draft as a result of it. But that that'll happen. Like I I this is the first time I've taken Dylan Cease. Um, mm-hmm. but you know that'll happen when your guys are getting drafted. 
Hey, and that's exactly what Scott led off this entire draft by saying. He said, you know, things are going to get wacky. We, we might draft players that we're not used to because for that exact reason. Obviously, these these listeners are paying attention and uh, they like a lot of the same players as we do. Um, all right, we're going to wrap there. If you're still watching or you're watching this on demand afterwards on YouTube, let us know in the comments whose team you like best between Scott, Chris, and myself. And we're going to wrap there for those two. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.